Health Matters in association with Keto Sterile by Fresenius Kabi. Caring for life. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. Welcome aboard, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Now, I'm kicking off a brand new series for the next four weeks, uh, every Wednesday and over the weekends as well. We're going to be learning about chronic kidney disease and, and why we need to be paying more attention to its burden in Singapore. It's quite prominent indeed. I mean, think about it this way. There's chronic kidney disease, and then there's also things like diabetes-induced kidney failure, which we're in Singapore ranks second in the world for something like that. It's been called a silent killer, chronic kidney disease, but many are possibly unaware that they could be living with mild or even severe chronic kidney disease. I'm learning more on today's uh, kickoff of the series as I welcome back to the show Dr. Roger Tan, a nephrologist based at Glen Eagles Medical Centre. Dr. Tan, how are you? Welcome back to the show. Hi, hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for inviting me. I'm Absolutely. Good, I'm good. Let's talk about the kidney and why it would be failing in the very first place. Why would this happen? Most people, I think, over the years, I think, have just assumed that it has to do with certain lifestyle choices. Yeah, it's, it's true to a certain extent. I think to understand this kidney failing, we have to understand the two commoner causes of kidney failure. And that is diabetes and high blood pressure, hypertension. So, and we know these two diseases are getting more and more common. So it's not surprisingly we are seeing more and more chronic kidney failure. Is that and, worrying though? I mean, there's no surprise that we're seeing more, but it's worrying, isn't it, to see this trend? Of course. Of course. I think it used to be one in every four adults in Singapore will suffer from hypertension or they are having hypertension now. Uh. That was a couple of years ago, the statistic. But now we are looking at one in three adults is walking around with high blood pressure. Oh no. Okay, so... How does it go from the kidney failing and then becoming a chronic condition? What are we talking about here, that transition there? So by definition, if there is abnormal blood tests in terms of measuring the kidney function, in terms of abnormal urine tests for more than three months, that is by definition known as chronic kidney disease or if there's failing function, chronic kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And. Let's, again, go to that prevalence and, and the incidence that we're seeing uh-huh. in Singapore. You talked about the rates, the 1 in 3s and the 1 in 4s right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what are we seeing in terms of whether people are able to pick it up early or not at the end of the day? Or are usually people coming in when it's quite far along? Yeah, I, I'm just going to paint a, a, a more gloomy picture. Okay. We talk about the extreme stage of uh, kidney failure. There's end-stage kidney failure where we talk about dialysis there. Mm. About 10 years ago, we are looking at maybe one year, we have about 900 new cases of uh, end-stage kidney failure requiring dialysis per year. Now we are looking at every year 1,800 new cases per year put on dialysis. That, that, that's quite a, yeah, that's about two-fold jump. Quite staggering increment in the cases. And if you do your max correctly, every day we are seeing five new cases of uh, dialysis patient, newly diagnosed patient. Every five hours, one patient is pronounced end-stage kidney failure requiring dialysis. That is the bad news. Yeah. Yeah. And not surprisingly, as I've mentioned, the hypertension on the rise, the diabetes is also on the rise. Mm. It used to be 1 in 10, 1 in 11 uh, adults. Diabetes, now we're looking at 1 in 9. And we're expecting this number to go higher and higher. So with diabetes and hypertension over the years, poorly controlled, and I stress again, poorly controlled, this will lead to end organ damage, typically the three organs, the heart, the brain, the stroke, and the kidney, kidney failure. Mm. Yeah. But if you can control these three well, 
in the early stage, you can prevent an organ damage, including the kidney. But how do people even realize that they might be at risk for or are on the road to developing kidney failure? Yeah, I always like to joke with my cardiologist friend. Yeah, they all, everyone with chest pain, the first thing is, do I have a heart attack? You will see a cardiologist. Yeah. But kidney failure, you've rightly pointed out, it is a silent killer, yeah. a silent disease. Not just the early stage, we are talking even that the moderate stage of kidney failure, most of them don't present with any symptoms. Or if there's any symptoms at all, it's actually pretty non-specific. And that makes the detection very difficult in the, more, in the early stages. And that's where screening comes in. But who knows who to go for screening or when so to go for looking, screening? If you're looking at just symptoms alone, something that may be helpful to detect early kidney disease, and that is bubbly, bubble urine ah. or foamy urine. That is an early sign of kidney disease. At least when you see bubbles, we are worried about protein in the urine or albumin in the urine. Just go and see a doctor, do a simple urine test that's available in all clinics, and that will tell you whether you have any early kidney, any signs of early kidney disease. And if possible, do a blood test. Blood test will tell me exactly how's your kidney function. Other symptoms, very non-specific. Leg swelling, I, I will say that will be a moderate or end-stage type of kidney failure symptoms. Yeah, but you don't wait until then. So the early stages usually don't feel anything. So that's in general population uh, or in diabetes hypertension patient. The next group that we want to look at for early detection are all the high-risk group, and that's diabetes, high blood pressure, those with family history of uh, kidney disease, um, smokers, those with uh, overweight, obesity, and high cholesterol. So these are the group that even no symptoms, we may strongly encourage them to go for routine screening, blood test, urine test, to pick up early kidney condition. And do those individuals, the ones that may fall into the high-risk categories, the smokers, the family history, and so on, do those form the bulk of the majority of chronic kidney disease patients in Singapore? Yes, yes. So if, as I've mentioned, hypertension, diabetes, and or those high-risk groups, they are the risk factor for diabetes hypertension. If you can detect this big group, we are looking at easily 70-80% of the causes of kidney failure. That, that, that big chunk of it, if you can control it well, yeah, this big group of patients or even yeah, normal people, you can actually detect it early and protect them from pre- preventing them from ending up sitting on a dialysis chair. Dr. Tan, I think you worried some of my listeners with the bubbly urine and the foamy urine because immediately WhatsApps came across. Um, I hadn't opened the WhatsApp yet to questions, but, but somebody was like, oh no, I've noticed this before, but isn't that more about sometimes you don't drink enough water, you're dehydrated, it might be foamy and bubbly. Does it yeah. mean it has to be with every urine passing that's foamy and bubbly for you to have a red flag? Okay, uh, yeah, are we talking about every um, urine passing? Yeah, so I'm happy that people are concerned. Because, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, because that's the easiest thing to look at. You can look at it every day. You can look at it every hour. You can pee. Yeah. So for me, urine by itself, there are many causes, and all of them, majority of them are benign, ranging from what you have rightly pointed out, not enough water, eating too much of maybe protein, sometimes alcohol intake the day before, etc., etc. all the benign causes. Those are not to my concern. Mm. But among all these causes of bubbly urine, the one we're concerned about is protein in the urine. That is the one that we want to pick up. Using a simple symptoms to pick up, uh, in a way, a, deadly, a potential deadly condition. Because what does that mean? If so, somebody were to pay attention and pick uh-huh. it up at an earlier stage, yes. 
Does that mean that automat- they've got different treatment options now, different opportunities for intervention now? Yes. Before they, let's, about the protein in the ah, urine, yeah. I mean, the bubbles in the urine, what we are looking out for is not just ask you to count how many bubbles, etc. Yeah. You, you will see, for those patients who experience it, it's really a thick foam, like, like soapy urine, and the bubbles don't disappear. That is the worrisome sign. Every one of us, when we pee, if we, if we don't look at our hands, we look at your urine, you'll see some bubbles. Mm. That is normal. That's mm. normal. Mm. But in, in kidney condition, the foam just stays and they, they don't get away. These are the ones that I strongly encourage you to go for the test. Dr. Tan, let's continue that discussion about the early detection aspect of this because I wonder, I mean, just those blood tests, just those urine tests, is this accurate enough to diagnose the condition? Because, like I said, still worries about it being a, a silent disease. Can we accurately pick it up if the right people come forward? Definitely, definitely. I think through a simple and cheap, I stress again, cheap, easily available blood test, what we call creatinine, and a urine test, look out for protein, we can confidently diagnose almost 100% of chronic kidney disease in our patients. Is this part of our like annual health checks and things like that, you think? Yes, yes. I think most of the basic health screening tests that we go for every year, and we are encouraged to do so once you cross an age group, we'll pick up all this. But again, maybe a little bit of repetition. If that is the case, if so easy to pick up early, why is it still a silent killer? So that's the main issue. I, I personally feel the big gap lies in awareness and hence miss the opportunity to go for early, sc- uh, early screening. Awareness means many feel that kidney disease only happens in the elderly group, in the senior citizens, which is not true. We do see that happening in young people. Many of the diabetes, high blood pressure patients, they have a misconception. Oh, I'm taking medicine to control my blood pressure, diabetes. Mm. I'm Okay. I do need to. I, I need not measure blood tests. I need not measure my own blood pressure. It's okay. I'm on medicine. It works wonder. No, it's never the case. Even your medication, they are always encouraged to check the blood test, the urine test, take their own home blood pressure. If one medicine doesn't work, the blood pressure is still uncontrolled. They need to add on. It cannot be a. Oh, well, I, I'm on medicine. I'm safe. So many times it's this misbelief that somehow misled patients to think that they are okay and then miss on the screening opportunity. Same goes for healthy men, healthy women, young people. They've, they've never expect them to have kidney disease. If there's no symptoms, they miss that very golden opportunity in the early phase to pick it up early and treat. Picking up on your point about the diabetes patient, Singapore ranks second in the world for diabetes-induced kidney failure. Do we need to screen diabetes patients much more closely, or is this already being done? Yeah, we, we, actually all this has been done over the last few years, in fact, the government actually declared, our PM actually declared war against diabetes. A couple of years ago, before COVID somehow yeah, disrupted the whole thing. But yes, we have a very comprehensive, good screening program for not just diabetes patients, for hypertension patients as well. And even for healthy people to go for screening, it's always there. It all, has always been there. It's just whether the, the patients or normal people make that first move to step forward to go for it. Dr. Tan, talk to me a little bit more about the treatment and management. In future episodes, I'll definitely be diving into that for, for, for big parts of the discussion. But what are some of the latest developments that you've seen in terms of the treatment of CKD? Okay, over the last five years, we have very exciting um, medicine out in the market with very robust trials to convincingly show that they are effective and safe. I would just like to divide into two stages. Uh, one is what we call the early stage of kidney disease. Over the last four or five years, we have I think at least two, if not three, new novel classes of medicine out there to retard, in fact, in some early cases, maybe even reverse early stage of kidney failure. 
very exciting five years. Now, we're going cross to the moderate advanced stage. Unfortunately, by then, it's a bit too late. No matter what we do, we will never be able to reverse. But we can retard the progression. As at least we can prevent patients ending up on dialysis a few years later. Uh, and there are effective medications that have been out in the market a couple of years that effectively treat the complication associated with kidney disease, preventing mortality. Are these suitable for most patients to avail themselves of? Yep, 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 yep. Definitely whenever they see a kidney doctor. You don't have to meet specific criteria? or No, no, no. no. I think they're, 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 for the early, early phase, the early phase of medication, oh no, early phases of kidney disease, the medication, I think we can use it quite across the board. It, it does help in a big group of patients, not just diabetes, as well as non-diabetes, early stage of CKD as well. This must be quite a game changer, huh? especially with your years of treating chronic kidney disease. We didn't have this 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's quite pathetic. That the last, that the last, I think the last time we had a very promising medicine that can treat effectively chronic kidney disease, especially diabetes kidney disease, was 20 years ago. <laughs> wow, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's the thing. If we get that early detection, then you could avail yourselves of this and you could potentially delay the need for dialysis, which is you don't want to reach that stage if possible, right? But if you're at the later stages of chronic kidney disease, will these medications that you just described still be effective? Yes, I think at the moderate stage, these so-called three new classes of medicine is still effective in retarding the progression, delaying entrance into dialysis. Yes, it's still effective, but not to the advanced stage. By the time we reach advanced stage, as far as what we know now, there's nothing that we can make them a bit better. Hmm. Yeah, but... Once we cross the moderate advanced stage, not, not just we want to retard, we want to prevent complication mm. associated with kidney disease because some of them can kill the patient. Dr. Tan, before I let you go, a quick note on the issue of transplantation. Is this, I mean, a lot of people always think that, you know, that will be the, the, the ultimate cure-all, but it's very challenging in order to get that match. What, what's your thoughts, just to leave us off on this discussion, when it comes to transplantation for chronic kidney disease? Okay, so what, we have been promoting transplantation. The government has been from promoting kidney transplant because it gives a better survival. It improves the quality of life for our kidney failure patients. In fact, kidney patients on dialysis are given a second chance well, after a transplant. It is, in a way, this matching has always been, you know, people think that matching should always be the best, then we can do a successful kidney transplant. But for the last 10 years, we have been doing mismatch transplant, blood group mismatch transplant that some still don't believe can we can actually do it. But the last 10 years, with good medication, technology, the numbers are going up and the outcome is just as good as a blood group matching transplant. So I don't think matching is really the barrier. That It's more of people accepting, people willing to donate a kidney to help their loved one. Dr. Tan, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. Uh, my guest on the program has been Dr. Roger Tan, nephrologist based at Glen Eagles Medical Center. Now tune in next week on Health Matters as I'm going to be learning more about the early detection of chronic kidney disease and how it can help significantly in the treatment and management of this condition, plus what role dietary changes need to take in terms of the management if you're on certain medications for chronic kidney disease. So that'll be all happening in the next edition of Health Matters right here on CNA 938. I'm Daniel Martin.
Health Matters in association with Ketosterol by Fresenius Kabi. Caring for life. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.